Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. The investors, uh, I would say, have three motivations, and I think they are in order. Uh, the first is to help their organizations and their executives understand what blockchain is and how it can transform their business. Uh, the second is to look for white space opportunities. Are there things that our business could do that would change how we do business in a new business model? And the third is to identify the disruptors. Uh, these new companies and bring them here and nurture them and have an equity uh, upside in that. So this is a public-private partnership. Uh, it's the first of its kind in the world. And uh, so here, it's here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden. Today's episode, we have Jeff Gauss. Good morning, Dan. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So I always love to start just a little bit about your your background. You know, first, the reason why I brought you in, I wanted to talk about this Oregon blockchain venture studio that you founded. So if we can kind of go back and say, what's your story a little bit? How did it leading up to uh, founding that? That's a great question. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Uh, I'm a Pennsylvania boy, went to a state school, uh, sales and marketing degree, uh, talked my way into a student internship, which started a 35 plus year career in the telecommunications and software industry. And for the last, uh, well, from 2006 through 2018, I was the, or 2017, I'm sorry, I was the CEO of Prolific Software, which is a local software firm here in Beaverton that uh, services the medical devices, life sciences industry. And after 12 years being in the CEO chair, it was time to do something different. I stepped down, handed the keys over to a new CEO, and then started looking around to see what I wanted to do. And so I made my job to get up and uh, have three to five cups of coffee every day with <laughs> business people around town. Yeah. And uh, through those conversations, which always ended with a, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Me asking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of those conversations came the idea of creating a healthcare information technology incubator here in Portland. And as I started to do some more research on that and started having some conversations, I zeroed in on it needed to be a blockchain for healthcare incubator. Hmm. And then a couple months went by, and by the fall of 2018, or by, I'm sorry, by the fall of 2017, that had zeroed into it was going to be a blockchain incubator uh, for the state of Oregon. So that's how we got here. And so I know you're on the forefront of, you know, why and, and some of the, the interviews I've read with you previously is you believe, you know, Oregon can be the center for a lot of um just development of blockchain and innovation. So, you know, why Oregon? Why is it a good place? And let's talk about some of the partners that you can share that are kind of involved in the project. Sure. I mean, I'll start at a slightly higher level first and say that, you know, there's, I've, all my career, I have been on the leading edge of new technology innovation. So it started with the breakup of the phone company, and then it was computer telephony integration, and then it was internet telephony, and then it was mobility. And so when I was nosing around of what to do for Oregon, um, I came upon this idea of if you look back in human history, there are certain times technologies come along and completely upend the status quo. And they would include you know, some very notable uh, technologies that have changed our, our evolution, fire, the wheel, fast forward to you know, the telegraph, the automobile, telephone. 
And the last big technology revolution that uh, impacted mankind was in 1993, and that was the introduction of HTML. And if you think about the impact of HTML, it completely upended the way everything works. And we now have a device in our pocket that gives us access to all of the human knowledge that's ever existed, et cetera. Well, come to you know, 2019, 2018, 2019, we're living through two of those technology revolutions as we speak. The first is CRISPR, you know, the recombinant right. DNA stuff mm-hmm. uh, that OHSU is doing a fair amount of work in. And then the other one is blockchain. And blockchain is, you know, for the layperson, it's the technology that sits underneath Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies. It's a distributed ledger technology. And you can make it as complex or as simple as you so choose. I, I like to look at it from a simplistic perspective. It's a distributed database that allows a whole lot of transparency. And it has the potential to completely change how society works. And I find that fascinating. And Yeah, and I want to break that down a little bit because – you know, it is, you said, you said something, it could be as complicated as kind of simple as you, you make it, but let's talk about some of the business applications that may, maybe in the near term that it could really just upend. I mean, even my background is a little bit of marketing. So even in the advertising ecosystem, it's, it's going to change things, right? Yeah. The, um, so the, the first one out of the gates, uh, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, um, when he postulated, uh, blockchain, it was for cryptocurrency, and this was post the crash, 2008, 2009, and the idea was, can we create a, a currency that is not sovereign to any one country, mm-hmm. that has inherent value in and of itself, that transcends nations, and et cetera. And so it introduced a currency, and arguably, you know, it was successful in that it is worldwide now. I would argue right. that it's not successful in that here we're supposed to have stability and it's probably the most volatile currency you can look at right now. But regardless of that, you have this underlying technology. And so what we did is when we were looking at this for the state of Oregon, and I'll come back to your question about why Oregon, uh, we said, well, let's not chase the cryptocurrency side of it because Oregon is not a money center state. Right. You know, this is not North Carolina. This is not Chicago. It's not New York. It's not even San Francisco. It's Oregon. And we have a lot of attributes, but they don't happen to be fintech. Mm-hmm. What we do have are a lot of expertise. And so uh, when I looked at uh, why Oregon, the very first thing I came to is if you study the way blockchain works, it's really more than anything. It's a governance model. And if you take a look at the way Oregon governs itself, it's very different than most other cities or states in the country. It's a very collaborative and uh a consensus-based organization. That's exactly how blockchain works, collaboration and consensus. So at the core fundamental ethos level, Oregon and blockchain map directly. Mm. Then next layer up, it happens to be an open source environment. We're huge in open source. You know, uh, right. uh, Linus lives here. Uh, you know, The Open Source Foundation got its start here. It's 60% of the open source projects in the world emanated out of Oregon. I didn't know that. Yeah, really? it's a figure that's given to me by the Technology Association of Oregon. So there, so we've got this underlying capability skill set. Take it one step up, we have this small company out in Hillsboro called Intel, who happens mm-hmm. to make most of the chips for the world. And blockchain happens to be a CPU-intensive application. So benefits us there. Right. Blockchain also you know, arguably can use a fair amount of power. There's no better place in the country to be for clean energy. You know, we're awash in that. We also have a depth of expertise in terms of our technical talent here. 
across a wide swath of industries. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we mapped all that and said, I was working with Skip Newberry, the TAO, Mm -hmm. to map all this out. And we said, okay, here are the six things that we can really do well with blockchain. And they are, in no particular order, identity and security, being able to identify who's whom Mm -hmm. and what's what with, you know, irrefutable proof that that is really dead. Right. Um, And that's missing in most of our applications today. Manufacturing supply chain logistics. Uh, the state of Oregon happens to be number two per capita in manufacturing jobs in the nation. So we produce a lot of stuff. And so there's a whole use case for tr- tracking that from its point of origin all the way through to consumption. Uh, transportation and smart cities. So through the work of urban systems in the TAO, the state is emerging as one of the preeminent places in the world for smart city design yeah. and, and thinking. Uh, Internet of Things and the smart power grid. Again, back to the green energy. You know, uh, green energy is not always on, mm-hmm. so you need to think about how to manage it most effectively. Uh, digital health and wellness. So that ties back to the original conception of this: is how do we use this technology to make for a healthier society? Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, and I think probably um, to a lot of people in the state is most interesting, is. Uh, civic technologies? How do we govern ourselves better using this new technology? So those are the six areas that we're going to be focusing on. And, and so some of the partners that have kind of come on board um, that have been public, uh, you know, RGA, so they're going to be yes. hosting the studio and, and their offices in the Pearl, right? Yep. Can you talk about some of the other you know, partners? Yeah. So um, when I first conceived this and uh, got some uh, strong support out of Salem, Uh, I decided to shop this. And so I looked at a number of incubator operators and who quickly rose to the top was RGA. And RGA is part of the Interpublic Group. So it's Mm a $8.5 billion digital holding company out of New York. RGA, very preeminent digital design firm. They have an organization called RGA Ventures who happens to run these things called venture studios. And they've done them for Major League Baseball. They've done them for UK government, you know, a whole bunch of other organizations. But also, and they also have an office here in Portland. Mm -hmm. So they were already here. And if you take a look at the output yield, most incubators, accelerators get about 33% of their companies to Series A investment, which is a measure of what's their long-term sustainability. RGA gets 84%. So it's almost a 3x improvement in yield. Because at the end of the day, what this venture studio is designed to do is to do economic development. So once, so RGA signed on, and we started shopping it around town, and you know, suffice to say, we got the who's who of Oregon's corporations to sign on to this, and that includes uh, the state of Oregon through two different organizations. One is the Oregon Growth Account, okay. and the other is the the uh, Business Oregon uh, through the Strategic Reserve Fund from the Governor's Office, which is about economic development. So those are the two lead investors, RGA and the state of Oregon, uh, siding up with them, Nike, Moda Health, Intel, Umqua Bank. Oregon Health Sciences University, Portland State University, and a local research firm, Smith & Crown, which Smith & Crown is the equivalent of, uh, think, Gartner Group plus Bloomberg okay. for blockchain, and they're headquartered here. And so what is their stake going to mean for them long-term? I mean, they're investing in the studio, and then there'll be companies you know, coming in to take residence there, right? Is that yeah, the, the, um, the investors, uh, I would say, have three motivations, and I think they are in order. Uh, the first is to help their organizations and their executives understand what blockchain is and how it can transform their business. Uh, the second is to look for white space opportunities. Are there things that our business could do 
that would change how we do business in a new business model. And the third is to identify the disruptors, uh, these new companies, and bring them here and nurture them and have an equity uh, upside in that. So this is a public-private partnership uh, it's the first of its kind in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here, it's here. Yeah. So what's next steps? Where, where are you at right now? Um, you know, what's uh, as we head into 2019 or are, are companies applying to get into the studio or what? So we uh, by the time this airs, we will have just announced and uh, we will have worked where we will begin working with our partners to identify the use cases. And so we, the way this will work is. We'll get the partners in the room and uh, hash out our strategies, and hopefully you notice that there are no two competitors in this uh, consortium. And the reason for that is so that we can have an open dialogue uh, looking for what are the cross synergies. And we will identify six to eight use cases per year that we will then go out and source uh, companies from around the world. So okay. we're gonna we'll, we will look at somewhere between six and eight hundred companies per year to say come on to you know come to Oregon and let's get you started. And the the hope is that once those companies come here, that they will find out that Oregon's much more than Blue Star and bicycles. Right. Yeah. You know that Which there's great. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> I, you know, I know Katie Pope really well and love the donuts. But you know that's not a reason to locate a company. Yeah. And so the the rest of the ecosystem has to be in place. And so that, hence that's why there's organizations like Portland State's involved. So Portland State's building an entire curriculum around blockchain. It'll be the first of its kind wow. in the country. Yeah. Uh, that's being announced right around the same time this airs. Uh, and that's to train the workers. And then it's the investment community. It's the real estate community. And we want to make it. We want to make this a very conducive place for blockchain companies to decide to domicile. I'm excited. I mean, this is. I'm a, we were talking before we started recording. I'm an Oregon kid, and just to have something like this, kind of us take ownership of the state is great. So, what's what's going to be your role kind of going forward? I, mean, I know you're you're the catalyst to get this going. How are you going to see yourself being involved? Maybe. So um, it's a great question. So I'm I was the catalyst and evangelist, and once um, you know I've never run an accelerator or venture studio, so that's where the pros from RGA come in. They've done 14, 16 of these, and Dylan Boyd, who's mm-hmm. my partner on this from RGA, he's done something along the lines of twenty four of these, oh, wow. so he knows how to do these and do these really really well. So I will slip into an executive in residence role, which means that I will be working with um, the specific founders of companies or the management teams to help them in any way that they see that I can be of benefit. The second thing is that uh, through this process, I have uh, started to identify some things that I'm interested in uh, in terms of where I may land from a, uh, a leadership position. So oh, great. stay tuned. So. so a couple of things you touched on I want to expand on just – you know, the talent base here in Oregon, and you, and you, you went into it a little bit. Uh, can you tell about how that's changed since you've lived here? I mean, because, again, there's all this – we have this pedigree you, you've talked about, but I feel like we're at this really exciting time, specifically in Portland, but the state, uh, you know, as a whole uh, for folks moving here with all this talent from other companies. So, you know, what does that mean to – not only this, but, you know. Yeah, it's a, that's seen? a pretty uh, – it's a very broad question, yeah. and, and I'll take uh, some parts of it because you know, I think, as you know, I also do a lot of work mm-hmm. in uh, uh, workforce development, yeah. specifically around the youth. I moved here about 21 years ago, and when I, I moved here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, this, the cities are very similar in size. They actually look very similar, but they're very different. Uh, Pittsburgh is a, uh, has historically been a big 
company town. I mean, one time it was the number three Fortune 500 location. Portland is a mid-sized market town with a couple of big employers. And when I moved here 21 years ago, Portland was kind of sleepy. You know, the Pearl hadn't happened yet, mm-hmm. and uh, downtown was like a ghost town at night, et cetera. And, and uh, when the uh, – I moved here in 98. When the dot-com bubble exploded, uh, Portland got hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And then in the 2008 crash, we got hit hard again because this is a – component or has historically been a component economy. And so when a component economy, uh, when the economy suffers, the component economy is first into the recession and the last out. Mm-hmm. And what what I find interesting is around 2010, and Skip, Skip Newberry and I talk about this all the time, around 2010, this thing started to happen where the startup community just really started to bubble. And some of that was there were a couple of exits that took place that started to recirculate some money. And then you had some pretty innovative people. You know, Sam Blackman was uh, one, uh, Steve Marsh, and a number of other people that came and started some uh, companies that are, you know, not glamorous household brand names, but, you know, rock-solid infrastructure stuff. And that started happening simultaneously with this mobility movement and the open source movement where you could start a company for you know a couple hundred thousand dollars right. and have a product in the field in 15 months and so there's this massive amount of experimentation taking place here right now and i saw an article i think it was last week that in the united states we're now rated as the number one place to start a business That's amazing. which when you talk to some of the the yeah, ultra conservative, anti-state government <laughs> space. They would say that this is not a good place to do yeah. business, but right now it's the best place to start a, a company, or start a company in the United States. Yeah, when I see it, you know, even like you mentioned, like Elemental, some of these folks that are even um, now they put in their their time. What is it, three, four years in? And uh, some of the, the the early employees, they're coming out of there, and I'm curious to see what those folks do. And, I even know some executive Elemental, they just. You know their lockup or, or whatever uh, cliff is done. So we'll see, you know we'll we'll see what they start and invest in too. Yeah, and there and and the other thing that I find very interesting in terms of the founder slash investor community is there's a real desire to uh, do social good mm-hmm. as well as doing well economically. And so there's a lot of things going on in terms of. Uh, the diversification of the workforce. Yeah. I and mean, there's a you know, there's a big drumbeat going on right now, as it should be. Uh, and it's still, you know, there are still challenges that we need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, before we go, um, the other organization you're involved in. Sure, yeah. You know, you're involved in a lot, but, you know, uh, your chair of, uh, is it YEBW? Yeah, the uh, Young Entrepreneurs Business Week. It's, um, I mean, I'll, you know, apologies, I'll get a little bit emotional about this uh, because of the uh, impact it has. So about 10 years ago, my wife sentenced my teenage son to this program. You know, and you and I were talking about our children <laughs> yeah. earlier, and you know, teenage boys are, are challenging. And you know, long story short, he did not want to go you know, you know, yelling and screaming, and I have rights, and et cetera. And <laughs> seven days later, we went down to pick him up at Oregon State, and he was a different human being. Hmm. And uh, this program in seven days put him on a track to where he is today, where he's wow. a you know, professional – so anyways, I wrote a thank you note and, and got invited to a cup of coffee. The next thing you know, I'm on the board. The next thing you know, I'm vice chair of the board. And uh, I'm now taking over as the chair of the board. 
And we're on this growth path. And our mission as an organization is to educate the next generation of business leaders. And the way we execute that mission is we take high school students, 14 to 18 years old, to college campuses for immersive, week-long, intensive education where they're put in real-life environments to go through the the uh, trials and tribulations of running, starting and running a business. Mm-hmm. And there's two outcomes. There's the people that go to this and go, you know what? I don't want anything to do with business. Sure which is a good outcome. I'd rather know that at 17 than after having gone through five years of college. And the others are people that go there and go, you know what, I really dig this. And so, you know, when I first got involved 10 years ago, there were 76 students, Okay, 85% of whom were white boys from wealthy zip codes. Mm. Is this, or this is all Oregon? This is, well, it's, it's here in Oregon, Okay, uh, but we have, I'll talk about our student population in a minute. Um, and this past summer, we educated north of 500 students, half of whom were female, half were minority, and half were there on scholarship, meaning they would Great. have never been there because their economics don't allow them to be there. Mm-hmm. So, and if you think about the state of Oregon, to have those kind of demographics showing up, we're outperforming what the population is. So when you, when I talked about the workforce diversification, well, ABW doesn't talk about diversity, equity, and inclusivity. We live it mm. by we're actually out executing very intentionally, finding the best and the brightest in all of our communities. We educate from every county in the state, mm. which no other organization is doing that today. Now we also, because of our because of the quality of the program, we're attracting students from all around the world. We've had Canadians, um, uh, Bolivians, Ecuadorians, uh, Koreans, Pakistanis, people from Africa. Mm. And these people are finding us on their own. And they come here and uh, we show them what it's like to run a business. And it's not all tech. Because if you take a look at the economy of the state of Oregon, yeah, there's a couple of big tech players. But the reality is the majority of the GDP in Oregon is coming from a mid-level company that's privately held. Yep. And so we're educating the the next workers for that. Yeah. And I know you have a lot of corporate partners for that. Um, How can folks get involved if they're... Biggest thing is visit the website. Yeah. Uh, visit the website, and there's a there's a link on there that says uh, volunteer. And we, you know, the volunteer spectrum goes from, you know, you show up for a couple hours and you judge a student mm-hmm. to you become the chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anywhere in between, the big thing that we need is we need company advisors, and a company advisor is. Uh, somebody who is willing to give a week's worth of their PTO, show up and live on campus with the students, and take a team of 10 through the program. Hmm. Uh, it's like a big brother, big sister yeah. role. I have done it. I did it two years ago as a uh, undercover boss. Nobody in there, nobody in the group <laughs> knew that I was the board chair. Huh. And uh, I went in there thinking I was going to change their lives, and and I came out of there as a changed human being. It changed my life. They changed my life. And so every year I pick about, either I pick them or they pick me, I pick about five students that I will work with for the rest of their lives. Um, So I now have this cadre of about 25 people that I stay in touch with, uh, you know, on a on a weekly basis to check in and how are they doing? What can I do to help you, et cetera? That's so, great. Yeah. yeah. Busy guy. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a blessed man and I have the opportunity to do these things. Yeah. So. Well, Hey, thanks so much for sharing uh, your, your story and about uh, these initiatives. So thanks again. Thanks Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I'm Dan Bruden and you've been listening to the PDX executive podcast. Original music was composed for this episode by Levi Downey. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts 